Yo, 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 yo. Shalom, shalom, family. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good day. Uh, blessings to you, everybody listening, to you and your household. Welcome back to another episode of the Daily Bread Podcast, where we read the word of Yahuwah daily. Yes, yes, yes. All praise to Yahuwah. And uh, the Daily Bread Podcast is presented to you by Living for Yahuwah Ministries. Me, I'm your host, Daliyahu Yasharal. And uh, we're here, family, we are gathered here today to read another chapter. And we're still reading from the book or the scroll of Exodus or Shemut. And uh, today we're reading chapter 29. So um, I do believe it's going to be a good one. Very um, informative and uh, just action-packed. You know what I'm saying? It's a lot of details in every chapter. But um, again, I think this one is just... Very intriguing what's going on. We're going to try to walk through it and I'm going to try to help you guys make sense of it. And uh, yeah, all the staying to you at the end of the day. So again, thanks for joining us. We're reading chapter 29 today. So before we read, before we get into the reading, <clears throat> we always open up in prayer. So we clear our hearts and clear our minds. But before we get right into prayer, I want to give you guys a short recap. Um, just in case anybody listening for the first time and uh, you know uh, the scriptures are very daunting a lot of people maybe just opening up this book just opening up this chapter so we definitely want to say Kerry Boo welcome Baruch Haba to everybody just joining us don't feel um, intimidated by reading scripture for sure so what can I say family we are in Exodus chapter 29 which I'm saying for the third time now um, so before that, what has come before that? If you just listen, that's the question. So <clears throat> I like to start from the beginning. So again, Exodus is the second book in the scripture or the second scroll, chronologically speaking. Uh, the first is Genesis or Bereshit. And again, that's the account of creation. We know that Yahuwah made heaven and earth in six days and he rested on the seventh. And again, what's important about the scriptures, the scroll, the set apart scrolls, from any other book in the world, anybody could publish a book, anybody could create a religion, believe it or not. But no other belief is making that statement or that, that claim. Not Muslim, not Islam, not Buddhism, nothing else. I don't even know what anybody else believes in. Anyway, nobody making the claim that they created everything <laughs> in six days. And rest, nobody else say that, you know, nobody else claiming in their book that, nah, we really created everything. So creation is very important. That's, that's Yahuwah's authenticity and his stamp on creation. And, and again, talking about reading these scrolls and the sacredness of it, is no other text or document living that has survived or was even created that's making these claims and um, that has as much history and validity and actually going to give us an account of day one this is what happened when we made everything from the beginning like it's really it's actually actually very very um unique and sacred to say the least so again the account of creation is very important <clears throat> but after that shortly after that we see you who are searching for righteous people on the earth to do his will to be found blameless so that he can they can receive the reward um, that he has prepared and stored away for certain people. So from the beginning, we see these things. 
for example, like Noah, we read about Noah, chapter 6, 7, 8, 9, and uh, the point is Noah was saved through the flood. He was found to be righteous in that generation, and Yahuwah showed him grace, favor, mercy. That's actually what not means. Not means grace, I think, something like that. Anyway, rest. It means rest, but he gave him rest, rest of the whole world. Anyway, then you got people like Abraham, who was, again, found righteous in the wicked generation, left his uh, place of his nativity to the place who showed him, and he was blessed greatly. And uh, so basically, I want to sum it up with Abraham and end up Abraham because the rest of the book of Genesis follows the chronicles and the sojournings of the family of Abraham, Isaac, his son, and Jacob, his grandson, which is changed to Yasharal. And we are proud to say the 12 tribes, 12 families from Yasharal. So the book, on all the books following, is about the family of Yasharal. Because Yahuwah actually made covenants with these righteous people. With Noah, he made a covenant of what he would do, what he wouldn't do. Abraham, he made a covenant again with Abraham as well. And he confirmed that covenant with Isaac and Jacob or Yasharal. So that is very important. If you have never heard of it, you should understand that. Yahuwah is actively looking for righteous people to recruit them on this team. He is coming to give you reward. He is making his presence known to you. Hallelujah. Anyway, that whole sojourning with the family of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, that led them down to Egypt, fortunately, during the famine. But unfortunately, after the famine, we became slaves in Egypt, and they began to oppress us uh, vigorously and rigorously. So, and again, at this point, reading the book of Exodus, I want us all to be thinking and understanding it like, that sounds like now. <laughs> It's, and that's the reason why we're still reading these scriptures, family. And I, I really want people to understand that. Script is no such thing as an Old Testament or New Testament. They didn't they didn't put that. You have translators thousands of years later that added pretexts like that that give us a certain um, understanding. It's no Old Testament. Because we read the book of the scroll of Shemot, commonly called Exodus, and we see a secular pattern happening. It's happening again. So it's very important to understand before I even start reading, you should be looking outside your window when you're reading this and looking for the happenings to happen today. And these um, patterns and prophecies and fulfillments, you, we, we continue in the look, family. It is nothing that's old or done away with in this book. So that's the first thing we got to understand. So basically, we were in slavery, book of Exodus. Yahuwah's son, another man who he met with and made covenant with and promised to, made promises to, to deliver us. His name was Moses, commonly called Moses. So, again, at this point now, chapter 29, we're free. Like you said, he made a promise to Moses. He met him on the mountain and he said, on this same mountain, you're going to worship me with the people when you, when you free the people. So, basically, that's where we are. Yahuwah has given us his commandments from the mountain and, um... He consecrating us to be his priests in a set-apart nation. So I think that brings you up to speed as far as what is really going on. So he wants us to be his set-apart people, nation of kings and priests. And is we all are a fulfillment of promises that were made even to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So I hope that really brings it around, family, to how it involves you. <laughs> so that's the point of the recap. So without any further ado, let's... Open up in prayer. Why? We should thank Yahuwah for that, right? I mean, we still alive. We got access to this covenant that will 
allow us to receive a better inheritance, a better promise. So I think already, if you just open your eyes, you just woke up like me. Hallelujah. We got something to be thankful for. So um, let's pray. So if possible, stand up. Face the direction of Jerusalem. That's very important. I hope you we you be around and we all make it to First Kings chapter eight. But um, very significant thing will happen when the, our king and our brother Solomon inaugurated that temple that he built for the name of Yahuwah. And he said, "Whatever your people at, whatever they go into slavery, if they disobey you, and you 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 deliver them into the hands of the enemy, if they turn back." And face the direction of this place that I'm building for your name, then you who you will hear and act in heaven. And it's a whole bunch of stipulations. He, he actually he literally put his name there and he he blessed it and acknowledged that place as the place where his presence will be. So we face that place as a show of obedience. But um again, if you want to understand more about why we face the, the, the direction of Jerusalem. You should read 1 Kings chapter 8. Beautiful chapter. So uh, let's face the direction of Jerusalem. Lift our hands, open our palms, and make supplication to the Elohim who is the eternally existing one. All praises to Yahuwah. Okay. Baruch Atah Yahuwah. Hamalat Ulan. Our Father who is in the heavens. Permit your name to be set apart. Permit your reign to come. Permit your desire to be done on earth as it is in heaven. We ask and we pray that you give us this day our daily bread. That you forgive us for our sins and our trespasses against your Torah and your commands as we forgive our dead Lord. Also pray and ask that you save us and deliver us from the wicked one. For yours, O Yahuwah, is the reign or the kingdom, the power, and the esteem and the glory, now and forever. So these things and more we pray in the name of our Mashiach and Sovereign, Yahusha. Hello, Yahuwah. To thy Yahuwah. Yabadakat Yahuwah. Aman. Aman, Aman. So yes, man, all this thing be to Yahuwah. Again, just giving that recap, and it's different every day, obviously, how I phrase it. But just the recap, I feel like it was like already a blessing. It explained a lot, and it made me feel blessed. I hope it's blessing somebody. And uh, I think everybody on the same page now. So with that said, we can all comfortably open up uh, Exodus chapter twenty-nine, and we can uh, we can read with more understanding. So again, Yahuwah continuing to disseminate information to our people. Shemot chapter twenty-nine verse one. Now this is what you will do to them to consecrate them that they may serve me as priests. Take one bull of the herd and two rams without blemish. So, yeah, when I read this um, chapter, I just looked through it already. We, I, The best way I can describe what you're about to read and what's happening right now is an, an initiation. And we use words like that, like in the bad sense. But it's, you know, we have to be initiated to all type of things. Um, so, um, that's the, how I want us to understand this because... He taking us to be priests and kings, like I just mentioned, but we can't just come how we are into the presence of the Most High. It's certain things that had to happen, and we had to go through. So it's definitely an initiation, and uh, yeah. So let's continue to read and see. Just look at the rights of it, 
what exactly is happening and we have you know break it down from there talk, give more details but the whole point is like you say this is what you will do to them to consecrate them we have to be set apart we have to be initiated we have to be consecrated we have to be um, purified washed and cleansed before we can um, take part in our duties so so he said take one bull of the herd two rounds without blemish and unleavened bread unleavened cakes mixed with oil unleavened wafer, wafers smeared with oil and you will make them a fine wheat flour you will put them in one basket and bring them in the basket and bring the bull and the two rams you will bring Aharon and his sons to the entrance of the tent of meeting and wash them with water again I say you had to be purified in the initiation is washing first take a bath <laughs> take a bath and again family I know you might be reading this in 2023 or listening to this in 2023 and like, come on, the Bible talking about telling us to take a bath. We know this already. Hey, 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 stop. You you know this. You might know this. But trust me, 5,000 years ago, this was very, you got to remember, this was maybe res revolutionary. No, you can't just come into the presence of the Most High any kind of way. You have to be cleansed first. So we have to put ourselves in the context of these people. And remember, this was a very primitive time. It was no plumbing, no running water. And um, I really think, um, I can't state that enough. Because even for me, having read the scriptures over and over, it took some time before I had to understand the context of the people I'm reading about. And a lot of times when people read the scriptures, they miss that, you know, just really realizing the modern amenities that we have today were not available for a long time for up until the last 800 years the last thousand years we had these amenities but this this was not always the case the last six thousand years of history so i think we should remember that please so verse five then you will take the garments and put on aharon the coat and the robe of the ephod and the ephod and the breast piece and gird him with the skillfully woven band of the ephod and you will set the turban on his head, hallelujah, and put the holy crown on the turban, hallelujah. And you will take the anointing oil and pour it on his head and anoint him. Again, this is a very important process because priests were anointed, kings were anointed. But again, king, a priest, they, the titles is like, it's, I'm, I'm, I'm almost going to get into a whole nother topic because the difference between priest and king is like, what's different? It's kind of like splitting hairs. Because sometimes they cross over. And that's kind of what I want to speak on with the Mashiach, Yahusha, because he's serving as a priest and king. But the point is, priests and kings are separate offices. But we see that priests got, um, he got anointed just like the king got anointed. And the priest was almost more special than the king. Like, you can't say they're more special than the king. King got, is sovereign. So sovereign, king is a bad word. Sovereign really give you a mindset of what they do if a nation is sovereign. And the king is sovereign. I mean, again, they make their own rules, decrees. They are. That's why they felt like in all respects, they are a representation of Allahim because nobody tell them what to do. They are sovereign. That's what the king means. Like, it's no kings only told other kings to make decrees and treaties. But basically, they sovereign. They, they, they do what they, they will. But the point is what I'm getting at is priests are anointed. Kings are anointed in their office, but priests have an anointing and they have a crown, they have a turban. So it's just as much as esteem being a priest. And what I really want to get at when they just talking about the anointing is 
mashak. It's the Hebrew word mashak. When you talk about being anointed, it means to anoint, to let the oil run or smear, drip. And when we talk about Hamashiach, our anointed, commonly called Christ or Christos, another Greek um, rooted word for anointed. When we talk about the Hebrew person that's anointed, who we pray to, it's very important to understand his consecration, the anointing he had, and how that enables him to serve in the position he is as king, priest, and again, as a king and priest in heaven. So we should understand how, again, this process that's happening on earth is mirrored in heaven. The same thing like with the pattern of the tabernacle. Again, we read in the blueprint for the big house. <laughs> I like that title for that chapter. But Yahuwah specifically told Moses, make sure you follow the pattern that you were given. So we see it, it's a pattern. But these priests that are being anointed, remember, again, this is a pattern that is, it happens above, above below, so as above, above, so as below. So um, very important to understand, you know, just put us in the right mind state when we go to pray before the Most High. And Mashiach, knowing he, we say Mashiach, he is the anointed one, the anointed one. So now we just have one, but before we had high priest and his sons, and everybody had to get anointed. And um, yes, it's the whole point is it's a very prestigious office, something in the Hebrew culture that has always been of high regard. And again, just like a king came from certain families, but the families of the kings changed, like maybe from difference being from Shaul family, who was from the tribe of Benjamin, to Dude's family, who was from the tribe of Yehuda. It, it changes families. But from then, it's supposed to stay in one family. Like all the sons of the kings of Judah were the sons of David, for example. So kingship stayed in one family, but we see it can change. But the priesthood was even more, it's kind of more sacred than the kingship because it's only one family and it never changes. These are the only people that could be priests in Yasharal. And um, again, they have just as much power and authority almost as, as the king because they are doing the rites and the orders and the again the initiation the, the forgiving of sins they are intermediary between us and Yahuwah so uh, can't expound enough on again the significance of these priests the um, significance of this initiation the significance of their role in our society as Hebrew people like priests are very important uh, obviously, at this point, it's a spiritual um, system, but um, we have to understand these things. Uh, very important. Verse 7, I'm going to read it again. You will take the anointed oil and pour it on his head and anoint him. So the anointing is just, again, that brought out all these things, but the anointing is very important, family. Then you will bring his sons and put coats on them. And you will gird Aharon and his sons with sashes and bind caps on them. And the priesthood will be theirs by a statue forever. Thus you will ordain Aharon and his sons. And I just mentioned that. So it's funny. I mentioned it and then we read it. So we see. By there, it's theirs forever by a statue. So says Allahim, the creator of heaven and earth. Verse 10. <clears throat> then you will bring the bull before the tent of meeting. Aharon and his sons will lay their hands on the head of the bull. Then you will kill the bull before you hold at the entrance of the tent of meeting. Bloodshed is always required. Sacrifice is required. And um, I'm a, so it's going to be a sacrifice required in this chapter. And they talk about bulls and rams and sheep. 
But I'm going to just mention this one time and not keep talking about it or stopping about it. So all the sacrifices are important. But for me, a long time it took me to figure out, like, why does he have to do sacrifice? Why are they killing animals? And I think it was best explained in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And Paul writes and just explaining, like, the reason about the death of the Mashiach and the first fruits and why he's the first to rise from the dead and how... He explained a little bit. It's in 1 Corinthians. I think it's 12 or 15. I'm not sure. But you will, you will definitely find it when you see him speaking about the first fruits and the Mashiach and the firstborn of the dead. But what he writes about is about how the old covenants and sacrifices are done away with as far as like these initiations. But what he was writing about is why it's necessary for something to die to bring life. And he expounds on it so much. And it just shows you how in-depth these people's knowledge was of these things. But he was basically saying... Even though something died, the blood initiates something else. So that's what he, he just was explaining. That's why no remission of sins without shedding the blood. Or that's why the covenants were sprinkled with blood. Because we had to kill something. But it's life in the blood that initiates something else. So it's so deep what he said. Especially if you somebody who was struggling to understand why they use blood. We see it today, family. Again, this over 5,000 year old book. We see even in the pagan cultures, practices, witchcraft, voodoo, everybody. What they're not using blood, and goats, and uh, they're not using bulls and rams and sheep. Sometimes they use sheep and goats. But the point is, this time they even bring chicken or blood, a, a, a goat. I mean, uh, a dove, a small bird. But the point is, what Paul say help us understand all of that and really um, he hit he hit the nail around the head because he so eloquently explain the point of the blood and again once you read it and understand you can never un-understand it again you have to kill something and yeah the animal died but the life is in the blood and what the blood does it, it literally initiates it starts a whole nother process that's why the most high don't want to eat in blood or dealing with blood we're supposed to kill an animal pull the blood in the ground and cover it but the blood has uh Obviously, some power. He said the life is in the blood, so it's not an understatement to say the blood has power. So I'm gonna just leave it right there. But again, when I'm talking about initiation, I, I just want to make sure I explain that part and where you can really find the um, the answer where he expound well the answer like the detail answer. So um, hope it makes sense. Verse 11. I'm gonna read it one more time. Then you will bring the bull before you who at the entrance of the tent of meeting. <clears throat> Verse 12. And will take part of the blood of the bull and put it on the horns of the altar with your finger. And the rest of the blood you will pour out at the base of the altar. And you will take all the fat that covers the entrails and the long lobe of the liver and the two kidneys with the fat that is on them and burn them on the altar. But the flesh of the bull and his skin and his dung you will burn with fire outside the camp. It is a sin offering. Then you will take one of the rams, and Aharon and his sons will lay their hands on their head of the ram. Hmm. Again, another thing we have to explain with the, with this, I'm going to call it an initiation because they starting something. This temple, the beginning of this whole priesthood, this is a big introduction, initiation thing, a process we have to go through. But this is another process we have to touch on because transference is real. Again, that's why they say touch not unclean things lest you be cursed too. Touch not that cursed thing lest you, you be cursed. So 
uh, more important concepts to understand, family. Transference. Transference of sin. Transference of righteousness. That's why getting immersed by a righteous person matters. Or, um, again, when the king would be anointed or priest anointed, they anointed by somebody else who was anointed. Uh, uh, the priest anoints the king. Uh, the other high priest anoints the other priest. Or what, you know, so have it. So, transference is important. Again, we see that even with um, the resurrection of dead people. The people who were resurrected in the scripture were resurrected by set apart people and they touched them or called out to them but transference is very real okay verse 15 i'm gonna continue i don't like to stop too much family i wanted to read the scripture but i want to make sure it's clear then you will take one of the rams and aharon and his sons will lay their head on the head of the ram and you will kill the ram and will take his blood and throw it against the sides of the altar then you will cut the ram into pieces and wash its entrails and its legs and put them with its pieces and its head. Verse 18. And burn the whole ram on the altar or the slaughtering place. It is a burnt offering to Yahuwah. It is a pleasing aroma, a full offering to Yahuwah. You will take the other ram and Aharon and his sons will lay their hands on the head of the ram. And you will kill the ram and take part of his blood. And put it on the tip of the right ear of Aharon, and on the tips of the right ears of his sons, and on the thumbs of their right hands, and on the great toes of their right feet, and throw the rest of the blood against the sides of the altar. Then you will take part of the blood that is on the altar, and of the anointing oil, and sprinkle it on Aharon, and his garments, and on his sons. And his son's garments with him. He and his garments will be Kadash. And his son's. And his son's. Garments with him. So very interesting family. And again I'm going to just tell you like this. This blood altar initiation stuff. Just know. Whether people tell you the Hebrew or not. Christian. Whether they tell you they never read the Bible or not. Believe me. This this uh, rites and rituals here. They took it, fam. It all come from the scriptures. These people doing, they doing, they making patty cakes and all type of stuff with blood now. So, this, it just want to talk about, I just want to say this initiation and the rites, what happened therein is very deep. And they do have power. And they could be used for all, type, all different type of purposes. But we want to stick to honoring Yahuwah. And only blood we're trying to deal with is the blood of Mashiach. Which has power to redeem us from sin, but the blood of bull and goats is it's powerless if you're not serving Yahuwah. Trust me. Verse 22. You will also take the fat from the ram and the fat tail and the fat that covers the entrails and the long lobe of the liver, liver, and the two kidneys with the fat that is on them and the right thigh, for it is the ram of ordination. And one loaf of bread, and one cake of bread made with oil, and one wafer out of the basket of unleavened bread that is before Yahuwah. And you will put all these on the palms of Aharon, <clears throat> interesting, and on the palms of his son, and wave them for a wave offering before Yahuwah. Very interesting rites. Then you will take them from their hands and burn them on the altar on top of the burnt offering as a pleasing aroma before Yahuwah. It is a full offering to Yahuwah. You will take the breast of the ram of Aharon's ordination 
and wave it for a wave offering before Yahuwah, and it will be your portion. Hmm. Very important to understand the symbolic nature of some of the rites, like the wave offering. It's a symbolic thing, but again, all these offerings, they're hereafter, and even in this offering, some parts that the animal that people bring to the temple every day, the priests eat, and actually part of this offering, they will actually ingest it as well. So it's um, inside and out, right? Initiation. So some of it is like a barbecue, barbecue grill, the best way to understand it. it's a cookout. But imagine the butcher shop next to the barbecue grill, you got, you slaughtering it fresh and cooking it. And then the blood and entrails and the fat also have a purpose to be used and, and purposefully to Allahim. So that's the best kind of picture I could paint so you can understand what's really going on in these days and times. So let's continue reading, family. Verse 27. And you will consecrate or set apart the breast of the wave offering that is waved and the thigh of the priest portion that is contributed from the ram of ordination from what was Aharon's and his sons. Verse 28. It will be for Aharon and his sons as a perpetual due from the people of Yashra, for it is a contribution. It will be a contribution from the people of Yashra, from their peace offerings, their contribution to Yahuwah. So again, exactly what I just said is spelled out as soon as I said it. A part of the offering and the portion the priest is supposed to keep, and that's their sustenance. That's their bread from Yahuwah. It makes sense. You bring an animal to slaughter to the priest of Yahuwah, the whole animal just don't get burnt up. That's actually food for the people. Some of it, and a portion of it is memorially sacrificed or burnt. Very interesting. Very, very interesting. I mean, this may be the most interesting scripture in chapter in the Bible. Why? Because it's so deep. It's so deep. Like, what is they? They doing what? And throwing blood? What? And putting blood on what? And waving what? And eating what? It's like what? <laughs> Unbelievable. Um, but we believe it for sure. And we believe it without seeing it. That. And again, these people from the time they initiated this family, this the context we have to read with and understand. From the time these people initiated this, they didn't stop. This was going on for over a thousand years, over a thousand easily. All the reigns of the kings of Yehuda, the splitting of the reign between Yehuda and Yasharal, sieges. This was still continuing up until we got carried away to Babylon, like 2,500 years after this happened. Like this was happening every day. So that's very interesting. Now again, when you think about that type of consistency, that type of endurance. Like, what do you do that's that you that consistent with? Every day, without fail, it's happening. It's amazing. Verse 29. The set-apart garments of Aharon will be for his sons after him. Okay. And they will be anointed in them and ordained in them. So imagine, it's some brand new, fresh white garments. They got diamonds and jewels on them and gold chains on them. It's, uh, it's very intricate design garment but it's splattered with blood it's like a polka dot red polka dot pattern on it it's splattered in blood but that makes it most set apart right and then the garments never die like Aharon gonna die but his son gonna go up on the mountain and put on his daddy garments and then when he the next priest putting on them garments so it's truly amazing 
Set apart garments of Aharon will be for his sons after him. They will be anointed in them and ordained in them. The son who succeeds him as priest who comes into the tent of meeting to minister in a set apart place will wear them seven days. Mm-hmm. Okay, seven days. <clears throat> Another seven, man. You gotta understand the seven. You will take the ram of ordination and boil his flesh in a set apart place. And Aharon and his sons will eat the flesh of the ram and the bread that is in the basket in the entrance of the tent of meeting. And they will eat those things with which atonement was made at their ordination and consecration. But an outsider will not eat of them because they are Kadash or set apart, not for everybody. And if any of the flesh or the ordination or of the bread remain until the morning, then you will burn the remainder with fire. It will not be eaten because it is set apart. Thus you will do to Aharon and to his sons, according to all that I have commanded you. Through seven days will you ordain them. Verse 36. And every day you will offer a bull as a sin offering for atonement. You will purify the altar when you make atonement for it, and you will anoint it to consecrate it. Seven days you will make atonement for the altar and consecrate it, and the altar or the slaughtering place will be most set apart. Whatever touches the altar will become set apart. So again, this even is a topic that um, people still debate about, and uh, it was even a debate in uh, Mashiach's time because he used this as a parable. Uh, like which what thing which set up what set something apart and makes it set apart i think what he was asking what the messiah said was like is it the animal that sets the altar apart or is it the altar that sets the animal apart or something like that but so again just understand this whole concept of set apart whole concept of transference of initiation and certain things we got to understand what's set apart what makes something else set apart but it's telling us the answer right now. This altar is set apart and whatever touches it becomes set apart. So if I just bring a regular animal, it's special to me. It's my firstborn sheep. I bring it to the priest. When it touches that altar, now that's a set apart sacrifice because it it's touches the set apart altar. So that's what they're talking about and just understanding these things. Obviously the priest had to understand what's unclean, what not to touch and what's set apart, what they can touch, what makes them set apart, what makes them not set apart. All these things and how they set apart other people and oh, so much, right? Who said being a priest was easy? So, very interesting. Verse 38. Now, this is what you will offer on the altar. Two lambs a year old, day by day, regularly. Again, he, they mean that. <laughs> they mean that. One lamb you will offer in the morning and the other lamb you will offer at twilight. Hallelujah. Because this just when I read it, this just when I read it, this, I just see a people that was more consistent than any other people. Like the Guinness Book of World Records still can't even um, properly document. You know that's not all the world records. They just that's just a certain group of people want to acknowledge what they know, and they only acknowledge what they know, and they can't acknowledge what they don't know. But imagine. Just having a barbecue grill and you cooking two animals a day on it, one morning, noon, and night, every day for thousands of years. It's just so consistent. It's just like that's a set apart people. Like whatever they, 
I'm pleased just hearing about it. I know Alahim was pleased. Like, that's crazy. Verse 40. And with the first lamb, a tenth measure of the fine, fine flour mingled with a fourth of a hand of beaten oil and a fourth of a hand of wine for a drink offering. So you have to remember that the daily offering, daily sacrifice, it wasn't just animal. It was wine, oil, flour, bread, cakes. You know, obviously we had daily daily bread, man. It's the daily bread podcast, man. I'm trying to be as consistent as my forefathers were. You see what I'm saying? It ain't easy, family. But I, if y'all follow the podcast and y'all support, you know what I'm saying? The movement, guess what? I'm going to know. It's real. We all being consistent together and we all being accountable. But I just want to take a moment to, 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 to highlight the standard in the bar. When we talk about service to Yahuwah, like when we talk about priests, we talk about being set apart, we talk about being initiated. Are we this consistent in anything that we're doing? And I, I, I just want to also take this time to give esteem to the people that came before me. I want to, um, um, I want to edify my brothers, other servants of Yahuwah that I met, that crossed my path, that inspired me, that people that was very consistent in, in their service to Yahuwah and serving the body. And um, mm, I feel like as we get ready to close this chapter, then we talk about initiation of the priesthood and service to Yahuwah and, and daily bread. As I throw the term out, like jokingly, it's serious though. It's it's. I think you got to read the chapter again and you got to read the chapter before and the chapter after to get the context because the people wasn't joking with you who he wasn't joking with them but it is um it's the highest calling man it's the highest calling family I just pray one day y'all have he he put it in your spirit to to serve it's the highest calling for sure I'm on it verse 41 the other lamb you will offer at twilight and will offer it with a grain offering and a drink offering as in the morning for a pleasing aroma, a food offering to Yahuwah. Verse 42, it will be a regular burnt offering throughout your generations at the entrance of the tent of meeting before Yahuwah, where I will speak with you, where I will meet with you to speak to you there. Verse 43, therefore I will meet with the people of Yashara and it will be sanctified by my esteem or commonly called glory esteem is uh, I feel like a better way to say glory but it's um the word means heavy kabod kabood it's esteem it's glory but esteem as in something weighty it's actually heavy it means heavy <laughs> it's something he is heavily esteemed heavy his presence is heavy and that's why we say esteem glory is like um how can they say those words? It's more of a um, not esoteric word. It's like a in, in, not intangible word, but it's um, it's not a concrete word. It's um more of a word that's um, how can they say it? Like Greek thought is like um, abstract. Glory is an abstract word. Esteem, kabu, kabudu is the uh, more literal, not abstract word. It's like tangible. It literally means weight. His weight. The presence of his weight is is felt like it was heavy. His esteem will be there, commonly called glory, but it was um, not so abstract. It was very heavy glory. <laughs> if you want to use that word, you will understand. It's very heavy glory. It's not just 
light, like rays of sun and through the cloud. It's like a, a anvil, more 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 so heavy, very heavy. And the temple will be the tabernacle or the temple, the place of meeting, tent of meeting, will be sanctified or set apart by his esteem or by his weight, basically. Verse 44. I will consecrate the tent of meeting and the altar. Aharon also and his sons, I will consecrate them. Hallelujah. To serve me as priests. I will dwell among the people of Yashra and be their Allahim. High and lofty power, family. Mighty power. He's going to be our mighty power. Verse 46. And they will know that I am Yahuwah their Allahim. Who brought them out of the land of Masarim that I might dwell among them. I am Yahuwah their Allahim. Woo! I'm tired. Just read it like the steam of Yahuwah's serious family. Thank you guys for reading with us. Thank you guys for walking with us. Thank you for joining us. I pray that uh, you've been initiated, family. I pray that you you have a better understanding of Yahuwah and everything that's required to serve him. And this was just the beginning. This is not the commandments. This is just what the priests had to go through before they were counted worthy to operate the lampstand or to put the bread on the table. Wow. <laughs> okay. Man, thanks for walking with us. Thanks for joining us. Be sure to follow the podcast. Interact with us. Let us in the question and answer. Let us know what you think about the episode. Not just how we can improve, but if anything I read resonate with you. Like, have you ever been a priest? You ever been anointed? Have you ever been to a sacrifice? Have you done a slaughter? Let us know anything that we read about. If it relates to you, um, how it relates, what can we take from it? Any messages, encouragement, all those things are very much welcome, family. So, um, follow the podcast, interact with us, follow us on social media, and if you feel led to support the ministry, hallelujah, all praises. So, um, until the next chapter, family, we say shalom, shalom.